0: You're listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Monsters by Ralia on AO3. Chapter 10. March 26th. 2021. It was raining the night Elliot Stabler came home. A slick and steady drizzle, cold, shining like ice on the ground. The glare of the spotlights the emergency crew had set up. The glare of the headlights from the police cruisers. The glare of the blue and red sirens spinning silently now. All that light twisted and bent in a rainbow of fractals and made the whole scene appear hazy, somehow, as if he were viewing it through the stained-glass window of the parish church he'd grown up in, and not his own two eyes. There was an unreal quality to the air, to his breaths, to the sound around him. He had slipped somehow from life to dreams, he thought. He had stumbled into a nightmare, and any moment he would wake. He would wake, and he would see that all was well. It would fade, surely. The scent of smoke and the sound of screams and the frozen glare of the lights would fade and be forgotten. He could not tolerate remembering. There were people everywhere watching him, watching him pace, his wolf by his side, the pair of them agitated, isolated, tainted somehow, cordoned off by themselves like grief was catching and no one wanted to come too close. His hands were shaking and so he stuffed them deep in his pockets and tucked his chin into his scarf. His voice was raw from screaming, and so he did not speak. Not that there was anyone to speak to, really. Not any more. After the explosion he'd whispered to Kathy, screamed for help, barked orders at the unis and the EMTs, and pleaded for a grace that was not forthcoming. But no one had need of him now. The scene commander was handling things efficiently, and the medics were working, and the twisted shell of what had once been his rental car was dripping slowly, miserably, soaked through after the fire truck got done with it. A uni approached, warily, hands outstretched, her eyes skittish and wide, and he wondered, as he watched her draw near, if this was the first time she had seen such horror. He wondered if she'd go home and tell her husband about this, or if she'd keep it to herself. He wondered if this story his story, would become one of hers. One of those stories she'd tell three drinks in at a party when someone inevitably asked her what the worst thing she'd ever seen on the job was. He wondered if his nightmare had become hers. And he wanted to take it back, somehow, but he carried so many other people's griefs within his own chest, it seemed hypocritical of him to make such a demand. Sir, the uni called softly, Sir, is there someone we can call for you? Elliot just stared at her. What the fuck kind of question was that? He didn't matter right now. Kathy mattered. Fighting for her life while the medics tried to decide the safest way to move her, tried to stabilize her vitals, tried to stop the pain that made her scream in wretched misery. Why bother with him? And who the fuck could he call? Not the kids. Not right now. He didn't know anything didn't even know what hospital Kathy would be taken to yet. When he spoke to them, he wanted to be calm and steady and in command, wanted to be able to lead them, to hold them all up, and his hands were shaking so badly he couldn't hold a cup of coffee right now. There were no friends left to him in this city. He'd turned his back on it, on them a decade before, sliced through every tie that bound him to this place with a knife forged of regret, and he could not ask for them now when they had asked for him then, and he had not come. Captain Benson, Alina answered for him, and the uni startled and then shied away, made nervous by the great silver wolf. Alina didn't seem to mind. Out of the 1-6, we were going to see her tonight. She should be close. The uni nodded and stepped away, unlatching her radio from where it sat clipped to her shoulder. It was Elliot's turn to stare down at Alina, accusation and fear swirling together in his belly. You shouldn't have done that, he told her. Liv doesn't need to see this, he thought. Liv doesn't need me ruining her night, ruining her life, again. Liv was supposed to be on her way to a ceremony in her honor this evening, was supposed to be wearing a pretty dress, standing up on a stage amidst a roar of applause for all that she had accomplished. What was happening here, this was darkness, was sorrow, was a burden she didn't need to carry. A burden he couldn't ask her to carry, no matter how badly he wanted her with him. And Jesus, but he wanted her with him. Liv, who held him fast when he stood on the very edge of losing himself completely. Liv, the compass pointing him always back towards righteousness helping him find his way when the path was too dark to see. Live who was good, who had reached for him, whose touch he had shied away from. How much must she hate him, resent him for his abandonment? Or had she forgotten him completely? He did not want to see her now, did not want to see her angry with him or pitying him. Each alternative was more unthinkable than the last. It wasn't supposed to be like this. You need her, Alina said. The worst part was, he thought, that she was right. The fucking rain made driving in the city a misery, but Olivia was nearing her destination, and she felt only the faintest flutter of nerves. She had her speech all typed out on her phone, would go up to the podium and speak those words about what this job meant to her, about belonging to a cause greater than herself giving praise to those who had walked this road with her and not retaining it all for herself. She would speak, and she would drink, and she would go back home to Noah, and all would be well. Yes, yeah, she hated giving speeches, but she had to do it enough times over the years to learn how to manage herself. She'd be fine. The radio in her car crackled to life, and she tensed, hands tightening on the wheel. Whatever it was... Whatever had her brother officers calling out into the night, likely it was nothing to do with her. But the radio was always on, just in case. 10.13, a woman's voice said, and then she gave her location and Olivia's heart sank. 10.13 meant officer in need of assistance. 10.13 meant any cop who heard it would answer, no matter what they'd been doing at the time the call came through. 10.13 meant drop everything and come and the woman speaking on the radio was only a few blocks away from Olivia. She flicked her blinker on and smoothly changed lanes, her plans for the evening already thrown off course. Shit, she thought. Finn is going to be pissed if I'm late. Captain Benson, Manhattan SVU, she said into the radio as she went. Five minutes out, I'm on my way. Benson? The woman who delivered the 1013 asked. "'Sounding surprised somehow. "'Out of the one six. "'Yeah.' Idly she wondered why that mattered. "'But then the woman told her "'and shattered Olivia's whole world. "'I got a guy here asking for you. "'The victim's husband?' "'Fear like knives settled in her belly, "'tearing at her. "'Who could it be? "'What man was calling for her "'out into the night and why?' What fresh hell had come for her, and why did it have to be now? What's his name? Olivia demanded. Stabler, the woman answered, and all the breath vanished from Olivia's lungs. It can't be, she thought. It can't be. It can't. It can't. It can't. can't. Elliot. Stabler was still pacing, back and forth, back and forth, that fucking beast of his matching him step for step. The medics had finally gotten his wife on a stretcher, but there were too many people gathered around for him to get close to her, and he'd heeded them when they told him to stand back, even though Mariella could see he really didn't want to. Not that she could blame him for that. Shit, if it had been her husband blown up right in front of her eyes, she'd want to be right there with him every second, and every inch of distance would feel like heartbreak. Stabler had been in pieces when help finally arrived, but he seemed to have pulled himself together. Apparently, he was a cop, too. Maybe his training had kicked in, was helping him now, when he needed it most. There was a lot for Mariella to do. She was just waiting, like everybody was waiting. For the medics to clear out, for the crime scene techs to come in, waiting for orders to canvass, to do something besides babysit the sky and block the flow of traffic from the accident site. As soon as the Vic was loaded into the ambulance and her husband was shuffled off, this thing would kick into gear, and she was itching for something to do. Waiting gave her too much time to think, and she didn't like the thoughts that came for her. On the other side of the crime scene tape, a fucking tank of a black SUV came pulling up, a red light flashing on the dash. The driver's side door opened and a woman emerged, wearing a long, dark coat that fell to mid-calf, the skirt of a dress swirling underneath it, an expensive pair of heels splashing thoughtlessly into a puddle. There was a smooth, powerful quality to the way the stranger moved, as if, despite her clothes, she was comfortable here, on the edge of disaster, where no one should be comfortable at all. Mariella watched as the woman turned, still holding her door open. And then a vast black shadow, so big it made Mariella gasp, leapt easily out of the car. It must have been the stranger's demon, but the night was too dark and the beast too black for Mariella to make out whatever it was. All she could see was that the thing was huge, and that frightened her just a little. Stabler's wolf had been shock enough, fierce and silver, with those haunting golden eyes, her size a warning all by itself. What did it mean, Mariella wondered, that she should see two impossibly big demons on the same night? Two creatures walking out of legends and into the drizzling rain seemed to her to be a bad omen. The woman approached the crime scene tape and slid under it with practiced ease, straightened up with her shield in her hand, raised high above her head. Captain Benson, SVU, she called, catching Mariella's eye, looking for information. Holy shit! This was the woman Stabler's wolf had asked for. The woman who had come when he called for her. The person he wanted with him so damn badly his demon had spoken her name aloud to a stranger. As Benson stepped into a beam from the spotlight, Mariella got her first good look at the woman's demon, and a chill lanced down her spine. It was another wolf. Bigger, more fearsome than Stabler's, this beast was huge and black as the night around him. Though the yellow glare of the spotlight revealed, his muzzle was shot through with gray. He moved slowly, steadily, silently. A predator at ease in any environment, but ready always for a fight. A wolf, same as stablers. The medics didn't give her the time of day and Kathy wasn't making a sound wasn't even moving as they loaded her into the ambulance. A feeling like futility settled into Olivia's bones. Everywhere she went, her voice was heated, her commands obeyed, the sight of her face and her captain's shield opening every door. But here, she was blocked out, cast aside, irrelevant. Irrelevant, as she always was when it came to Elliot and Kathy. An afterthought, meant to be kept out of sight, watching them from a distance, her own connection to Elliot made meaningless by his devotion to his wife. Elliot, Jesus. It had been so long, too long. The time had changed her. When she thought now of the girl she'd been, then, the woman she had been before, when she thought of charging reckless and bold through the night with her gun in her hand and Elliot and the wolves beside her, the visions she conjured were of a stranger. That girl had been bold and safe with Elliot by her side, fearless, for what should she fear, with two wolves to protect her, and a man whose heart beat in tandem with her own. She knew the taste of fear, now, as she had not known it then, and in the knowing, she had been irreversibly changed. There had been moments, so many moments, too many moments, when she had wished for him, prayed for him longed for him, and he had not come. A heart could only weather so many disappointments before it became hardened, and her own had calcified in her chest, made pristine white and hard as a rock. There was not room in that heart for anyone else, not anymore. No one had cracked through her defenses since Ed. Ed, who had done what every goddamn buddy else in the world did and left her. There would not be room in that heart for Elliot now. Could not be, for he was the one who'd broken it in the first place. But here he was, but he was here now, somewhere on the edge of the night, and his wife was in the ambulance, and Ecluse was tensed and silent beside her, as her own heart was tense and silent. Hardly a thought in her head, for the night had grown so surreal, so impossible that she could not comprehend it. Elliot was gone, had been gone was meant to stay gone. What the fuck was he doing here now? Had he been here all this time, in the same city, in their fucking city, content to be apart from her? Had he really asked for her? What the fuck did he think she could do for him now? What the fuck? Live! A voice called out from behind her, and she spun around at once, and all the defenses of her heart seemed to shatter like glass, and all the questions faded away. Elliot, emerging from the drizzling darkness, like the battered hero of a black and white western, his face more lined, more weathered than she had ever seen it, his hair shorn so close he looked nearly bald. Elliot, his blue eyes full of misery, his mouth full of her name. Elliot, a ghost come walking with Alina by his side, beautiful and warm, though water was dripping silently from her silver-gray fur. "'Elliot,' she breathed. Olivia. She was impossibly beautiful, walking towards him through the black chill of the night, the lights throwing her face into stark relief, shadows fading away as she drew near. Her hair was long and softly curling despite the slick of the rain, and her face was softer than he had ever seen it. The furrows of her brow, the corners of her eyes wrinkled gently now, as they had not been when she was young and strong and standing beside him. Acluse was with her, his head taller than her waist, and when Elliot's gaze flickered to the wolf, something like anguish stirred in his gut, because Acluse was no longer black from snout to tail as he once had been. His muzzle was shot through with gray, now, the years taking their toll on him as much as on his mistress. I've missed so much, Elliot thought, staring at them. They were squaring off against one another, all of them frozen, unwilling to take another step, hardly breathing, not daring to blink, just looking, with eyes full of questions, taking in all the ways the time had changed the faces they recalled, and searching for some sign of the one they had once known. Elliot, staring at Olivia hungrily, seeing the captain and wondering if his live still lived somewhere within her chest. Olivia, staring at him just as intently, and what questions she was asking herself now, he could not say. And beside them, with them, Acluse and Alina, who spared no glance for the humans, but focused instead on one another. It was Alina who moved first, and that was right, Elliot figured, because he could feel it, his heart screaming in his chest, begging for Olivia, begging to hold her begging for her to hold him, begging for comfort and forgiveness and the safety he found when she was near. Begging, pleading, wretched, miserable, needing her as he had never needed anything in all his life. Ten years he'd been away from her. Ten years he'd spent running from his past. But in ten years he had not stopped thinking of her, not once, not for a moment. Ten years her ghost had haunted him, slept in his bed, wedged between him and Kathy. Ten years he had spent regretting it, the way he left her, aching for amends he was not certain he'd ever be allowed to make. Ten years, and now, finally, she was in front of him, and Alina was approaching a clue. The day they'd met, decades before, when they were young and strong and did not know what lay in store for them, It was Ocluse who stepped toward Alina first. It was Olivia's heart, curious and hopeful, that had moved first, seeking connection and understanding, and Alina had moved second, but moved, still, towards him. And it was Alina who had touched him first. Ocluse had entreated, and Alina had responded, and Elliot and Olivia's whole lives had changed in an instant. Now it was Alina moving first, and Elliot watched, watched as she approached the wolf who had once been her dearest companion. Elliot watched and thought of all the times he had seen the pair of them resting on top of one another, a pile of fur, black and silver, intermixed, their eyes closed, their breaths content. Peace. That was what he thought when he thought of the two of them together, a peace he had not found since he'd walked away from Olivia a decade before, a peace he was desperate for now. Slowly, Alina continued her approach, but when the distance between the two wolves lessened to no more than a foot, Akhust did something he had not ever done before—not with Alina, not with Elliot, not with anyone that Elliot could recall. He shied away, Blanche, as if he'd been struck, turned his head away from Alina and retreated a pace, and Alina froze, confused, never. She had never been rejected by Eccluse, and she seemed uncertain, now, did not know what to make of his hesitation, wounded by his reticence. The silver wolf raised her head to look up at Olivia, rain running slowly down the slope of her neck, but Olivia did not return her look. Olivia offered her no comfort. Instead, Mm -hmm. Olivia reached out and placed her hand on Eccluse's head and looked steadily at Elliot affirming her wolf's decision not to accept Alina's plea for closeness. Her dark eyes shuddered, and her heart hidden from them. What is this? Elliot wondered, looking at her. What did it mean? That a clue should withdraw? That Olivia should keep her distance now? Where there had been no such gulf between them before? You did this, he thought, looking at her, remote and unreachable, resplendent in her power, strong in her isolation. There was no anger in her, but neither was there shelter. Her heart was closed to him now, and he couldn't blame her for that, not really, because he was the one who'd slammed the door. There's room for one more in the ambulance, a medic called out from behind them. Go with her, Olivia said. I'll speak to the scene, commander, and I'll meet you there. She was right, was with his wife, He had made that decision long before, whatever else his heart longed for, and he could not forget it now. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page, and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.